it's important that we're addressing this piece. The problem is, is that no one knows how to address it. So now then the next big thing I'm working on is teaching women how to get out of that sympathetic state back into a, a parasympathetic state to teach women how to adapt during stress because we're always going to have stress but the key is to learn how to adapt to recondition our bodies because our bodies have been conditioned to think a certain way to act a certain way to um uh, do things and feel certain things you know when we're stressed and under um you know when we have a lot of stress so no one's talking about and teaching women and that's now my next mission to do that because it's so important until it's you so get out important. of that sympathetic state yeah you're not going to completely fully heal girl you've got questions questions about your body and how to feel good in it about your hormones and how to keep them in check questions about your sex life and your whole health can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. So welcome everyone to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. We're gonna talk estrogen dominance today. I get so many questions about estrogen dominance and what is it, how to heal from it, how to address it. It is something I've talked about in the past. I've had other guests on, including Magdalena Wujlaki. You guys go back and listen to that Girlfriend Doctor Show as well. And check out some of the resources we have, including in my book, The Hormone Fix, the the conversation goes on. Estrogen dominance is a real issue. And it's not just for those in perimenopause struggling with estrogen dominance, it extends through puberty. I mean, it can be also post-menopause with estrogen dominance increasing the risk for endometrial cancer, for instance, breast cancers, uh, colon and gut issues, immune system issues are all results of estrogen dominance. So I want to introduce to you our expert guest today, Kate Vasquez. She is a functional medicine physician assistant and founder of Radiant Health. She's an award-winning author, and she loves empowering high-performance women to reclaim their health and vitality to become the confident leader, wife, and mother they aspire to be. She created Break the Cycle Bootcamp, The Radiant Method, and wrote a bestseller, Estrogen is a Bitch. There we go. To, to bring awareness about hormone imbalances. She teaches women how to naturally balance their hormones, use their cycle as their superpower and reconnect to themselves at their highest level so they can create a life by design that they love living. So I, everyone is in for that, right? We all want that. Kate, welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Anna, for having me. Just, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. And I'm just so excited for our conversation today. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm so excited too. Thank you for being here. Now let's talk about estrogen dominance. So define estrogen dominance for our audience. Oh, of course. Um, Cause estrogen dominance is a, is a, 
a medical term. And it's so funny. I was having a conversation with someone one day and she's like, Oh yeah, well, my my functional medicine practitioner just practitioner just uh, diagnosed me with estrogen dominance, and I thought it was a good thing until I found out that it wasn't. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't mean that because you're estrogen dominant, especially as an entrepreneur, as a high performance woman, like that is a good thing. It's actually the quite opposite. Um, and so what it really means is that there is an imbalance of our hormones, especially with estrogen and progesterone. And when women are still having their periods when they're cycling, it's really important during a specific time of the phase, which is our luteal phase. That's the second half of our menstrual cycle. Um, because if you think about it, our hormones are constantly fluctuating until we go through menopause. And so before that time, we have a lot of estrogen in our system before ovulation, which is in the first half of our menstrual cycle, the follicular phase. And then estrogen starts to decline. So progesterone can increase, but then again, we get another bump of estrogen. So we always have a lot of estrogen in our system, but we need that that balance with progesterone during the luteal phase to help balance that out. Plus, I mean, progesterone is needed for so many other things as well. So the problem becomes, um, or the problem is when there isn't enough that progesterone to balance out the estrogen, or if there's enough progesterone, so there's just, just too much estrogen in the system. And that creates that imbalance, making estrogen the dominant hormone. And let's talk about like the menstrual cycle in general. Day one of the menstrual cycle is the first day you start bleeding. So we consider that day one and ovulation typically between day 12 to 14. So the first part of the cycle, we're in the follicular phase. So we're forming, you know, estrogens coming on board, our luteinizing hormones coming on board. And at ovulation, we spike luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. And so that brings us into the luteal phase. We've actually, you know, uh, released an egg and formed the corpus luteum. So this, that ovarian function is really, really critical to understand too. And part of that ovarian function, that corpus luteum is to bring on, to make a lot more progesterone. I always say estrogen is putting, like if you consider the uterus a bed, right? For implantation by design of a embryo. The estrogen is like laying the sheets on the bread, the bed, and progesterone is making the bed. And so we require a healthy amounts of progesterone to essentially make the bed, really organize the endometrial lining. And when, when implantation or we're not pregnant, we get that flushing. Progesterone drops the corpus luteum is like, okay, time up. That ovarian cyst dissolves, the progesterone levels drop and we get our period. And we start to see this dysfunctional periods coming up with estrogen dominance. The symptoms, I always, I always like to say, if you hate your husband only two weeks out of the month, <laughs> it's your hormones, not necessarily your husband, your partner, your mate, your teammates, whatever it may be. If there's a cycle to your personality, there's a hormonal imbalance going on here. And do you want to elaborate on that? Kate. Yeah, of course. It's so funny because, um, yeah, I'll get a lot of clients before working with me. They're like, my husband knows when it's that time because they start their, their personality, their mood starts changing. They're more on edge and a little bit moody. And so they know. And then once we work on balancing the hormones and getting to the root, what's happening, they're like, my husband doesn't even know when I'm starting my period anymore. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there are a lot of different symptoms associated with estrogen dominance. And some of those symptoms can overlap with other things. So what I discovered was that there's like five 
telltale signs of estrogen dominance. And the first one is those irregular periods, you know, that, that dysfunctional period that you were talking about. And that's because if we're not getting that increase and decline in the progesterone, if there's not enough progesterone in the system, it's not sending the signal um, for us to start our period on time every single month. So if you're experiencing very irregular cycles, like one cycle is 36 days, the next is like 28, the next time it's 42, it's just kind of like all over the place. It's not pretty regular every month. And regular should be about 28, 30 days, plus or minus a couple days. That's a regular period every single month. So if you're experiencing those very irregular cycles, that's not normal. The second symptom is really heavy periods. And just like the beautiful analogy that you provided, estrogen does help to thicken the endometrial lining. It helps to, to really um, create that bed for that fertilized egg. So if we have a lot of estrogen in our system, it's going to cause a thicker lining than normal. So by the time you actually have your period, or if women actually skip periods, they're going to have a really thick lining. They're going to have really heavy period. And a heavy period looks like you know, well, actually I should go back. Uh, what a normal bleed should look like is like using six to eight tampons or pads, you know, for the first few days and it shouldn't be completely saturated. So if you're using more than six to eight tampons or pads and it's completely soaked through every time you change it and it's lasting more than a few days, that's a really heavy period. Or if you're using a cup and you notice like really big clots coming out, that's also not normal as well. So that's the second symptom of estrogen dominance. The third one is the PMS symptoms that we all have come to know, <laughs> which are also not normal. So that's those mood swings that we're talking about, you know, feeling anxious, irritable, depressed, um, also uh, the severe menstrual cramps, um, those are not normal. And that's because when we experience those mood swings, it's from lower levels of progesterone. And then the severe menstrual cramps are coming from excess estrogen, causing a lot of release in a, a molecule called prostaglandins. And the, the reason why we need prostaglandins every time we start our period is because it does help our uterus to contract so we can help shed that, that lining to start our period. Um, but when we have a lot of estrogen in our system, it produces more of those prostaglandins, which is why we experience those really severe menstrual cramps. And someone will, it will be so painful and severe, they end up in the ER every month. And that's not a normal way to live, being in the ER or feeling very nauseous and then so much pain because of that. Um, so that's the fourth symptom. And then uh, also tender breasts. The, that can be also paired with PMS. But I like to separate it out because- That's a really big one. I mean, tender breast, fibrocystic <laughs> breast. It's that yeah. really like, okay, don't even hug me. I'm so tender. Exactly. Or you can't even put a bra on <laughs> mm -hmm. for that matter. Because it's just, and I, I remember when I came off birth control, I developed a lot of these symptoms. And sometimes even just laying on my side, even though I don't have big breasts, I was just like, ah, that hurts, you know? Um, but that's because when we have Maybe a lot we of- should table, let's come back to the whole coming off of birth control, how that affects oh, our yeah. hormone balance and estrogen sure. dominance and receptors. And um, yeah, so we'll definitely come back to that. So let's not forget. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. tender breast so is one of the most important. Yeah, and, that, yeah, and that, awesome. that's because, yeah, all that estrogen, what it does, it, it causes our breast tissue to swell. And so it, it, it 
builds up a lot of fluid. That's why they get really, really tender, but it can also create those nodules um, that increase density with those fibrocystic breasts. Um, so if you go to your doctor and they say, oh, you have fibrocystic breasts, you know, they'll probably be like, oh, just remove caffeine, reduce your stress. But are they looking at your hormones? Because they probably can help support your estrogen a little bit um, to reduce those symptoms. So that's the fourth symptom. And then the fifth symptom is weight gain. And it's interesting because when we look at weight gain and the distribution of weight gain in different parts of the body, we know like if you're gaining a lot of weight in your abdomen, it could be high cortisol, it could be imbalanced glucose, um, you know, metabolic disorders like diabetes. But if you're developing a lot of excess weight in your butt, hips, and thighs, that's a huge sign of estrogen dominance. And that's because when we go through puberty, estrogen is responsible for our curves in our butt, hips, and thighs. But when you're starting to gain even more weight there, then you know there's an imbalance in estrogen. However, do keep in mind, if you have weight gain all over, abdomen, butt, hips, and thighs, like it's all over, it could be a mix and combination of all of those. So you have to keep that in mind. If you're gaining a lot of weight, it's important that you're looking at the hormones too, because that could be playing a role. So those are like the top five symptoms. And I always say, if you have like two or three of those out of the five, there's definitely a huge chance you have estrogen dominance. Right. And you have a quiz and we'll be giving that link to yeah. your quiz too, to uh, take a quiz and see if you've got estrogen dominance. But one of the things is too, is thinking about those other hormones, hypothyroidism mm -hmm. Ins can really affect your estrogen dominance, uh, insulin resistance, uh, mercury toxicity, endocrine, any yeah. endocrine disruptors and birth controls. That is something that can really affect your hormonal balance post using birth control as well as during birth control. So let's talk about, so we've got the, the understanding of what estrogen dominance is, what the symptoms are. Now, how does estrogen itself get imbalanced? Oh, there's so many different ways. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> but um, I mean, you've already talked about I agree, a couple of ways. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, you've already mentioned a couple of the ways, but um, but to start, you know, I always look at the gut because um, it's so important to assess our gut health. And it's we don't really fully understand how there's a link, but there is a huge link there. And that's what happened with me. I had issues with my gut. Um, one, being on birth control, but a lot of things were impacting that stress, taking anti-inflammatory medication like Advil Relief because I was very athletic. So constantly, you know, muscle soreness and strains, stuff like that. So I was taking, oh, and migraines. So I was taking it for the migraines as well. So it was just taking a lot of these different medications. So we want to look at gut health first. And that's because we have what's called the microbiome. So trillions and trillions of microorganisms, bacteria, yeast, viruses, parasites, even protozoa. And we're supposed to have enough that's like living in community together. But the problem is, is when one of those uh, organisms decides to come in and take over, you know, it's like kind of creating a war. Think of like the Trojan horse coming in. It creates this imbalance, this dysbiosis is what we call it. And this is an issue because we have an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which is supposed to be in very low levels because when, and we can talk about this a little bit later, but estrogen gets metabolized in the body. It starts in the liver first. There's two pathways it goes through, and then it goes out through our intestines and our poop. And so it's important we have a healthy gut, healthy microbiome um, and low levels of this enzyme that allows the estrogen to get eliminated when it's broken down. But when we have this dysbiosis, this enzyme increases the beta-glucuronidase. And so what it does 
it basically takes the inactive estrogen that's ready to be eliminated and it like turns it back on it makes it active again and now the body thinks oh you're not you're not ready to leave well let's take you back up again so we can continue to use you and that's the problem because we're supposed to make estrogen but then get rid of it um, so we have this healthy balance we're not supposed to make it and continue to use it and use it again and again and again and while we are still producing more so that's why it's really important that we look at gut health and in fact I always balance the gut and look at gut health first before even touch the hormones. Because once we start balancing the hormones, we want to make sure we're getting rid of the excess that's being broken down. So gut health is so, so important. Also lack of nutrients. One, because we need nutrients to build up our hormones, to produce our hormones, especially fatty acids. So omega mega three fatty acids is really important to produce our sex hormones. Why? Because our sex hormones come from cholesterol. And so it's really, really important, especially when I see lower levels of progesterone in women, I'm looking at, are they getting in enough fats? Cause that's going to be important, but not only that vitamin C is needed B6 to help produce progesterone. Plus we need other nutrients to help with estrogen metabolism, especially as it's going through the liver. And so I can talk a little bit about estrogen metabolism right now. So we have the two phases, phase one and phase two. Right. I and think it's need... so important to talk about, you know, the, the estrogen metabolism, but also like, the, you know, we talk about the gut microbiome, the estrobolone, the importance right. of estrogen detoxification in the gut and how that works. And you describe that beautifully. And I think now talking about, you know, detoxification, phase one, phase two detoxification, because clinically, when we see that, you know, in, in medical practice as a physician, as I started to recognize estrogen dominant, so that patient coming in at 35 and she's has PMS and her cycles are more painful or regular. She's having breakthrough bleeding and our medical system's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Give her an SSRI, put her on birth control pills. Mm. And then if none of that works, let's do a hysterectomy. And because she's over 35, let's go ahead and take the ovaries out. Well, that philosophy and that training has created a lot of menopausal mayhem and hormonal, right. you know, wreckage seriously. And so as I learned, as I learned through my own journey, you know, being early diagnosed with um, early menopause at 39 and going through every single one of these symptoms and recognizing that, okay, food is medicine, food is the first medicine. So empowering detoxification makes all the difference. So that same person yeah. come into my practice at 35 with all these symptoms, hating her husband two weeks of the month, tender breaths, you know, painful periods. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do your lab work and I'm going to bring you back in four to six weeks. And we're going to go over your labs. But in the meantime, you're going to do this 21 day detox, similar to my 21 day keto green detox in my first book, the hormone fix. So we would do that. And then we would, she'd come back in for her labs and, you know, fill out her questionnaire and her questionnaire, the hormone symptom toxicity questionnaire. That is the one that I use and created. And, and she'd say, she'd be 90% better. She could, Dr. Anna, I'm feeling so much better than I have in years. And that's before I've ever prescribed any, any adaptogens or any additional right. progesterone or, you know, at that time, it's like, okay, well, we, you know, this is, this is key when we clean up the liver. I mean, clinically that makes a happier individual. It's just like with our car, it needs a tune-up. Our bodies need a tune-up. We are organic matter. Mm -hmm. There is stagnation, congestion, yeah. debris essentially within side of us that we need to 
excise, so to speak, we need to get rid of, we need to eliminate in a healthy way. And it's, you know, and, and it's, there's no age limit to that. You're never too young, you're never too old. It really has to be part of the daily process and environment because many endocrine disruptors in our system that we're not even thinking about, like drinking from a plastic bottle, the what we've washed our laundry in or, or what's been sprayed in our yards or, you know, the touching a receipt or drinking from a, a hot coffee out of a plastic <laughs> lid, which I will say I was just in Paris and I did get a coffee to go at the hotel I was staying at and they had like cardboard, a really essential pressed cardboard cup and the lid was pressed cardboard as well. And they're like, oh, yeah, those plastic lids are toxic. Hello, America. Can we wake up to that fact (laughs) when poorer nations are making conscious decisions to support overall health and well-being? Oh, my gosh, right? We've got so much to do. So much, so much. Yeah. And that's, and that's another cause, you know, all these toxins that are in our environment. And when I learned about it, um, because they contain the chemicals of xenoestrogens, which attach to our estrogen receptors. So now our body thinks there's more estrogen than we're making. And that can, can contribute to a lot of the symptoms. So yeah, I've had some clients when they like just take out their, their, or not take it out, but substitute their toxic products for non-toxic products, the symptoms can improve that way. So just little simple things like just changing your diet, what you're eating, adding in nutrients, supporting the detox, um, taking out all these toxins in your environment. So, you know, the makeup, the shampoo, the laundry detergent, yeah, even in the kitchen, the nonstick cookware, all the plastic that you're talking about. I mean, all these things and, and you know, Environmental Working Group is a great resource. Um, they have a skin deep database. They even have the health living app. Um, Think Dirty app is um, and Yuka, Y-U-K-A. Those are my two favorite apps that I love to use because there's a scanner in them. So you can scan all the products you're using. Um, Yuka, you can even scan your food. So scan those barcodes and see what pops up. And then when you're in the store, you can scan the products in the store and help you to find those better alternatives for you. Okay. So say I that really app again. I didn't know. I know yeah. EWG, but I didn't know the yeah. app you can just... yeah. The- scanner there's so two there's two one is think dirty think dirty. i love the think yeah because it'll tell you like is it clean is it half and half or is it dirty and the other app is yuka y-u-k-a but it, there's a carrot on it because i think yuka like the root vegetable but it's got a carrot on it so yuka and think dirty like i have those two apps and they are a game changer because yeah when you first are starting out you're like okay what do i use but these apps make it so easy for you to just like take the thinking out of it and it gives you a rating, you know, and you know, is it clean or not? So yeah, I highly down recommend download these apps and take them with you to the store. Um, so yeah, so all those toxins in your environment can definitely contribute, but also medications, like we talked about birth control and that's what happened to me. I, you know, when I started on my journey, I already had a lot of issues. Like I had migraines since I was a child. And then I developed acne and puberty. So that's when I got on the birth control. And it's so interesting because a lot of women get prescribed birth control as a solution to treat hormonal imbalances. When in fact, it's just a band-aid. All it's doing is suppressing all your hormones. So your body's not producing it anymore, which it can help, but sometimes it can also make things worse. For me, it definitely cleared my skin, which was a sign that that was a hormonal imbalance. Even though I'd go to the dermatologist and, you know, they prescribed me all these creams and stuff to apply that just dried out my skin. And I even asked one, one time, I was like, is it diet related? Because 
you know, if it's coming, like if I have to give up chocolate, you know, I'll give up chocolate because I was very self-conscious and, you know, didn't have the confidence because I just was breaking, broken out all over, you know, and they are like, no, it's a myth. Like it's not coming from food, but I'm like, uh, learn later. Oh, you're acting dairy. Dairy is a huge Dairy contributed to it. It's a huge culprit to estrogen dominance. Exactly. I also was eating a lot of meat too, growing up in a country, a country town where the meat definitely wasn't, you know, organic and uh, no antibiotics, no hormones, you know, we had all that stuff growing up and we weren't aware of it. So I'm getting all these exogenous excess hormones from the meat, you know, that I was eating. And then also after I pulled all that stuff out, I would still break out right before my period, but that's because I was grabbing chocolate with sugar. So <laughs> so I now take hundred percent dark chocolate with goji berries and I don't break out. So I've learned like I still have my chocolate because chocolate has magnesium and it's really good for the menstrual cramps. So you learn little tips and you tricks learn too. Little, yeah, I would say <laughs> I find the research to support my vices. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, for so we're, sure. We're talking about these causes of estrogen dominance. And first and foremost is, is the gut microbiome is healing the yeah. gut microbiome and things that are disrupting the gut microbiome are often are much of what we're talking about. The endocrine right. disruptors also in the, in our food chain, birth control pills. We know that affects our gut microbiome. Who knew? I did not know as a, a you know, avid prescriber of birth control pills early on in my career that that was disrupting our gut microbiome. And apparently the research was known. It just was yeah. never translated or. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Cause I mean, even learn, I mean, as a physician assistant, I didn't learn that in PA school either, even though I never prescribed birth control, I took it too without knowing. And then having the gut issues doing the research. And I talk about it in my book and I pull out, you know, I have the studies referenced at the back of the book. Like it does cause leaky gut and it contributed contributes to like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. And, and what is also interesting, it causes gallbladder issues. I've had a couple clients coming to me that have gallbladder issues on birth control. Some started before, some started after, and they asked their doctor, is there a link? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to get off the birth control because it's affecting your gallbladder. And why? Because our liver produces a, a chemical called bilirubin, which is important to help make up bile, which is stored in our gallbladder. And we need bile because when we are getting rid of all that excess estrogen, it's fine. That bile is what binds up the inactive estrogen. So if we're taking birth control, we're not producing enough of that bile. And then we can't get rid of that, you know, the synthetic estrogen that we're taking in and that's a problem. So yeah, it was very eye eye opening once I dug into the research and it was like, whoa, like this is here and no one's talking about it. And no one's talking about it. It's really, it's really good. I love your work. I've highlighted Jolene Bryden and Laura Bryden and I mean, other game changers in the field too. And just to bring that to our awareness because it does, it's creating PCOS, it's creating infertility. So let's just run that because we're running short on time and I want to hit these. Let's just run through again, those causes for estrogen dominance. And there was one more I wanted to add in. Yeah, what's the one more? The stress, the big one. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That is a big one, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because with stress, and I realized, because at the time when I came off birth control, I was doing all the right things. I was eating healthy. I had cleaned up my diet and worked on healing my gut. 
I was even doing meditation and yoga and, you know, I had cleaned out all the toxins from my home. So I was doing all the right things. And when I came off, my hormones still went crazy. And I realized when I came off, it was during a stressful period of my life. I was working at an urgent care and it had become a very negative, toxic environment. And I also wasn't fully in control of the emotions I was experiencing and stress. And what I've come to realize is that a lot of us are in a chronic sympathetic state because we have two different nervous systems, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic. And the importance of that is that we should be in a parasympathetic state most of the time, because when we're in that state, that's our rest and digest state that allows like digestion to function optimally. And when it comes to our hormones, it allows our reproductive organs to produce our hormones. And so if we're in a chronic sympathetic state, it shuts down our digestion, it shuts down our reproductive organs. So we're not producing the hormones like we should. And I see this time and time again, low levels of progesterone, gut issues, and high cortisol levels when women are in a chronic sympathetic state. So it's important that we're addressing this piece. The problem is, is that no one knows how to address it. So now then the next big thing I'm working on is teaching women how to get out of that sympathetic state back into a, a parasympathetic state to teach women how to adapt during stress because we're always going to have stress but the key is to learn how to adapt to recondition our bodies because our bodies have been conditioned to think a certain way to act a certain way do things and feel certain things you know when we're stressed and under you know when we have a lot of stress so no one's talking about and teaching women. And that's now my next mission to do that because it's so important until it's you get so out important. of that sympathetic state. Yeah. You're not going to completely fully heal, you know? And like, it's like I was doing, I was doing all the right things, but I still wasn't completely healed and I was still getting the migraines. And until I learned to recondition my body now, I'm like in the best health ever. So it's so important that we're addressing this, the stress piece and not just, and I've had a lot of clients too, that will tell me I can't meditate because as soon as I sit down, my brain just won't stop running. And I just, I can't sit still. Yeah. Because you're in a sympathetic state. We need to get you out of that state first before you start doing these activities. <laughs> yeah. And there's some things that I know you write about it too. And I write about it is that stress, cortisol, oxytocin connection. That was the really big thing. The more stressed we are, the more disconnected we are. Mm -hmm. And that creates relationship strife and burnout. Absolutely. And we don't want that. And also how stress really affects us. I mean, just doing something like right now, taking a deep belly breath can reconnect us to our, reactivate our parasympathetic nervous system. So even making a habit as simple as that, and then other things like yes. checking heart rate variability and looking you know, at heart rate variability, doing those things that we can monitor. So let's run through some ways to treat and rebalance estrogen. Yeah. So the first way to really help rebalance our estrogen, or at least support detoxification and elimination of estrogen, because that's the goal. The goal is not to completely get rid of estrogen, but to help support metabolization of, of estrogen out. So the first step is work on your diet. So I like to have everyone focus on the three F's. The first one is fiber. So consuming a lot of leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables. And that's because they're going to contain all those B vitamins that are really, really important for detoxification. So that's phase two in the liver, but also all that fiber is going to help 
with elimination, help with, with your stool. Um, and that's a really one, big piece because yeah. constipation, if you're constipation, constipated, you're absolutely recirculating estrogens and toxins. And that and happens so to having, me. <laughs> yep, me too. Having regular yeah. daily bowel movements is yeah. your birthright, is your norm. And yes. it doesn't matter how bad things have been can start doing it again. So having regular daily healthy bowel movements, I cannot, uh, you know, agree more that that is so important to our overall health and well-being is to not be constipated. Yeah, absolutely. It's so crazy because I'm sure you probably learned too in school, like, oh, whatever's normal for a person is normal. Like I was having a hard time going. I was going like every couple of days and it wasn't like a normal bowel movement. But that was considered normal, you know, and actually the doctor, your doctor probably doesn't even talk about your bowel movements when you go. That should be like the first thing on how are your bowel movements, you know, but they don't talk about it. But it's so important that you should be going at least once a day, every day. Now, you can go up to three times a day. If you're going more than that, that might be too much and something's going on. If you're going less than that. Yeah, again something's going on with your gut. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's so important. You are constipated. It's it's more than just being constipated. It's your gut health is being impacted. The estrogen metabolism is being impacted. So it's really important to get that addressed. So the second F is fats, obviously, you know, all those healthy omega threes, and that's going to come from like wild caught salmon. And you want to stick to low mercury fish because we didn't get to touch upon it, but high, uh, heavy metals like mercury found in the like swordfish and Chilean sea bass and tuna. I used to eat a lot of tuna. But heavy metals attached to estrogen receptors. It's kind of like the xenoestrogens attaching, kind of same same mechanism and pathway. So you want to consume low mercury fish. And um, the first time I heard about this from Dr. Hyman, he says smash, but I add smash C. So salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardine, pairing, and cod. Because I know those are at least low low mercury fish. So you can just remember yeah, that's that. A good, that's a good anachronism. <laughs> Acronym. Yeah. That's a good acronym. Yeah. Smash. I love it. It's salmon. Sardine. Wait. Yeah. Salmon, mackerel. Salmon, mackerel. Yeah. Anchovies. Sardines. Sardines. Herring. Herring. And then cod. Okay. Good. Yeah. Let's see. I love it. Okay. So fiber, fats, and. Yeah. And also adding in all of those nuts and seeds that we, we, sometimes tend to not eat a lot of, and I know I used to not eat a lot of nuts and seeds because a big thing with women is we're too scared to eat a lot of fats, especially healthy fats, because we're afraid it's going to make us fat, but that is not the case That is at not all. the case. My audience is pretty yeah. good on keto green, which <laughs> is following right along your nutrition protocol here, healthy fats, perfect, quality perfect. protein, lots of fiber in the dark green alkalinizers. Exactly. I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last step is fermented foods. Why? Because the fermented foods are going to bring in those probiotics that we need to support that healthy gut. So, you know, I love coconut yogurt. You want to get away from the dairy, but my favorite brand is Cocoyo. You can buy that at Whole Foods. It's probably the cleanest yogurt without a lot of sugar. So sauerkraut, kimchi, you know, pickled veggies, all those fermented foods are really going to support the gut. I do want to say real quick, if you eat fermented foods and you get bloated and gassy, that's a sign there's something going on in your gut. Usually SIBO, so small intestinal (laughs) bowel overgrowth, and even with greens. And so that is really, that's an important finding. In my second book, Keto Green 16, one of the 16 foods is that fermented, those fermented foods to really incorporate that 
that into your lifestyle. And I love kimchi. Okay. You can saute it up with some good organic eggs and you yes. can put it in a lot of foods and serve it on the side. It brings up a burst of flavor. So it's really, it's really a good, it's important to add and other things that yeah. support digestion. We want to do that. And that is key too for estrogen dominance because everything we do to support the right. gut is going to support our body's detoxification. But the next key thing is we need to detoxify toxic estrogen. We need to open those pathways. So we're removing estrogen down healthy pathways and also cleaning up the liver. So really incorporating foods that do that. Yeah. 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 And that's, an, that's the second point, like really supporting another way, supporting detox. So eating those cruciferous vegetables. Again, I love using the sauna. I do it um, at least twice a week because that's going to help. And anything, or if you don't have access, even if you just like jump rope, It'd be, you'd be surprised if you jump it for 10 minutes, one minute intervals each, you're going to sweat a lot. So if you want to facilitate sweating, make sure you're drinking at least half your body weight in ounces, because that's also going to help with the detox. Also, um, the next thing is to make sure you're just getting in enough minerals. So even if you start with a good multivitamin, I'm sure you have an awesome multivitamin for everyone to take. So that way you're getting in all these nutrients, you know, the the B vitamins, the magnesium, that's really going to support the, the, the production of the hormones, the metabolism of estrogen. Uh, the next thing is start removing those toxins from your home. And you have some awesome apps to check out to help you do that. And then the last thing is to learn how to adapt to stress, because that's going to be the biggest thing that a lot of women are missing out on that can make a huge, huge difference in helping them to heal. Like I'm too stressed to think about adapting to stress. I mean, it just, yeah, figure that one out. Oh my gosh, it's so funny, but it's so true because I've been there. I've, you know, single mom yeah. running businesses, leading teams, you know, struggling and all the ups and downs with that time management. And the biggest thing that we can do, and I would say like, biblically, it says, to that we have the right to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that means yeah. nothing in our external environment has to change, but our internal environment changes. And when our internal yeah. environment changes, then we experience the peace despite nothing in our external environment changing. And that Absolutely. is the that is the enhancing oxytocin, incorporating more yes. of those oxytocin moments. And I think that's a, a superpower. You always say, Kate, that you can use your cycle as a superpower. So with this, we're, with this, and I know you and I both just following these, these are great five steps that you've outlined for us. So that's a really key piece. I definitely do use uh, adaptogens. I use my Mighty Maca Greens uh, with 30 plus superfoods. I can we change the name again. Mighty Maca plus 30 superfoods. That's the name of it now. So it's adaptogens, it's liver detoxifiers, it's alkalinizers. I also use DIM, methane with from broccoli and Brussels sprouts. So we can supplement above our diet, but it, the diet food is medicine. So first step is the diet always, but we can yeah. supplement above that. And those, those also will make a really big difference. And omega-3s, we want to get them from our diet. But if we're supplementing with omega-3s, make sure they are tested for heavy yeah. metals. They are not all created equal, just like not all wines created equal mm -hmm. or olive oils created equal or right. that's it. So, but, um, so when it comes to supplements, you really want to look at those key things. So we're going to biohack that cycle of ours in the last five minutes here. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And as far as learning to adapt to stress, I'm sure it might be out already by the time this podcast is released, but I am creating a masterclass just to help women start understanding, you know, how to do that. And then I'll be creating a a program uh, as well, because it's, it's so needed. It's just to help teach women how to do that. Cause you know, you can't get to meditation until we learn these steps before that to really help yourself to move out and, and learn how to, you know, adapt to stress. So yeah, you can definitely reach out to me if you're interested in that, because I will, that I will be releasing that in the next, in the next month, by in, in July. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. And then how else can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So they can definitely find me online. My website is www.yourradianthealth.com. And then I'm on Instagram as well. Kate is at Kate Vasquez underscore PA. I'm most active there. So if you have any questions, want to get in touch with me, just send me a DM. I'm always there on Instagram. And your books, where can they find your books? Yes. So my book is Estrogen is a Bitch and you can find it on Amazon. There's all versions. There's the paperback, uh, the Kindle, the, the hardcover and the audio version as well. So you can find everything on Amazon. I love it. I love it. Thank you. So now are you ready for my rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, you know, with the Girlfriend Doctor brand, we have four pillars, nourish, shine, awaken, and embrace. Those are four pillars that my brand rests on. And because that's key to optimizing our health, longevity, and quality of life. So the first one, nourish, what is your favorite detoxifying meal or beverage? Ooh, ooh, that's a great question. Well, I do... I do eat mostly plant-based. So I would have to say like a lot of, a lot of meals that I eat do help facilitate that, but I love a a good salad, a lot of just mixed greens and, and kale and just adding in, you know, beans to help support my gut as well as like a lot of radishes. We actually make a bean salad with a little bit of olive oil and lemon and some herbs and adding in those radishes because those are also really good for for detoxification. So that's probably one of my my favorite, like really quick go-to meals. I love radishes and, you know, they're so easy to add into things. You can don't have to eat them raw. You can eat them, put them in your cruciferous stir fry or any stir fry and it just adds beauty to it too. So, okay. So shine. Now you've got a glowing complexion, Kate. Your skin is beautiful. What do you, what's your beauty regimen that uh, facilitates that? Yeah, believe it or not, I barely use anything on my skin. I used to use a ton of products, but once I learned about how toxic everything is, I just focused on hydrating, eating, you know, lots of lots of healthy fats. And also I do use anything I use. I love the Amarie. It's like a facial oil for my moisturizer. So that's what I use. It's just, it's very basic. And they also have a really good cleanser too. I think it's like an aloe mint one. Uh, it smells amazing. So I use that to, to wash my face every day. And sometimes I'll even put coconut oil on it or a natural salve. It's actually a friend of mine who's in Israel created this salve. It's called Salves of Jerusalem. You guys should check it out. It comes in this beautiful, like handmade clay pot and it's all organic with essential oils and I use it for everything. I use it as a moisturizer on my face, my skin for like 
little cuts and bumps and wounds and stuff. It's, it's amazing. Um, and oh my gosh, okay. Well, your skin it. is gorgeous. So <laughs> Thank you. and the next one is awaken. What are you reading or what's a favorite book you've read recently? It's funny because I'm actually reading uh, a few books right now at the same time, but, um, one, one book I'm reading is You're the Placebo by Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. I highly, highly, highly recommend reading it because it just That's talks on my list about, too. Yeah. It talks about the power of the mind and, you know, our, our thoughts affect our body. Like I, I personally believe our psychology manifests physiologically. And so we can really control our health with our thinking. And if you think about it, I learned that we have 70,000 thoughts per day and 80% of those are negative. So if we can start recognizing the thoughts we have, it can really make a huge impact on our health. So I highly recommend you read the placebo. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay. So for embrace, I actually don't know if you're married or single, but I usually ask, what is your favorite sexual position? <laughs> I am married. <laughs> I am married. Yeah, definitely, definitely doggy style for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good to know. You know, it's always a fun question to ask. I love it. Thank you for playing along with my oh, rapid absolutely. fire girlfriend doctor questions. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And again, everyone, check out Kate Vasquez. She is at Kate Vasquez uh, underscore PA on Instagram, at Facebook, at Kate Vasquez PAC. And on LinkedIn and her website is yourradianthealth.com, yourradianthealth.com. So I mentioned that we have a quiz for on her estrogen dominant quiz. So we will be putting the link in the show notes. We'll put the link in the show notes for her quiz, which is really good to know. I get a lot of questions and I have gotten a lot of questions in the girlfriend doctor community and through our customer service. They're like, oh my gosh, what about estrogen dominance? What about estrogen dominance? What about estrogen dominance? So here you have it. This is so important, can affect any stage of life. And the earlier you nip it in the butt, the better. And this is our teenage girls. I mean, I had 13-year-olds coming to me who were already put on birth control pills because of acne. And it is a gut issue, not a hormone issue. And the sooner we start hormone disruptors, as birth control pills are, we cannot deny that. As soon as we start that, the longer consequences are and how it can really disrupt the physiology. Plus you have to reestablish balance after that because it really uh, was never studied long-term and we're seeing long-term consequences through the mass human experiment of women on long-term birth control pills. Right. So there's a, there, is, there is that. And I want to encourage everyone in our girlfriend doctor community to keep asking questions, to keep advocating for yourself because you are worth it. You are mighty worth it. And I am really thrilled to be here with you and to be your girlfriend doctor. So I want to thank you guys for sharing your time with me today and every week. And I will see you next week. Be sure to share this episode. A lot of questions on it. So let's talk to our girlfriends more and more. I love being your girlfriend doctor. Till next time.